The Road to Rediscovery is sponsored by BetterHelp. Let me ask you something. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? You know, for me growing up, feelings of anxiety, inadequacy, doubt, and even imposter syndrome got in the way uh, of me reaching my goals and reaching my full potential, right? So BetterHelp addresses these and more. It's not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't have to ever sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and, get this, financial aid is even available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. They mean it. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Road to Rediscovery. That's Better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And there's a special offer for our Road to Rediscovery listeners. Get 10% off your first month when you register at BetterHelp.com slash Road to Rediscovery. We're all on this journey of life together. And it sure feels good to know professional help is within our reach with BetterHelp. Again, that's Better H-E-L-P. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Our lives are laid out on a road of bumps, turns, struggles, and more. How do we respond? How do we endure adversity for learning and growth? I'm Aubrey Johnson, and we'll explore these questions and more on The Road to Rediscovery. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Road to Rediscovery. I'm your host, Aubrey Johnson. The Road to Rediscovery is about reflecting on the lessons that life throws at us to learn and grow, and of course, pay it forward, take it to the next level, and help others who are struggling through dark times. Now, as you know, on The Road to Rediscovery, we are passionate about delivering to you quality content that is of value to you and your personal growth. If you like what you hear, please visit roadsrediscovery.com slash donate. That's road, the number two, rediscovery.com slash donate. We'll even give you a shout out in a future episode. And as always, there is no obligation. We are truly, truly grateful for your listenership. Now, many of you know, and I'm sure many of you are familiar on, uh, with this show's four cornerstones uh, to personal growth. Well, today we're going to focus on cornerstone number four, which is service to others. This one is hugely important, as I truly believe in my heart of hearts, service to others is literally the foundation and recipe for changing the world. Just think about the exponential effect from each person doing just a small part. Of course, service to others must also be fueled by love, compassion, thoughtfulness, and the desire and passion for human interaction. Well, my special guest is all these things and more. She describes herself as an archaeologist of people by supporting others and discovering the treasure inside of them. Born and raised in South Texas, she's a Harvard graduate, having studied global health, human suffering, and more. 
Her passion for helping others has taken her all over the world, including childbirth research in Tanzania, domestic violence and girls empowerment in Mauritius, and youth empowerment and environmental conservation in the Amazon jungle, tuberculosis and health epidemics in Peru, and a lot more. She is also the co-founder of She is the Universe, building a global scale community of empowerment and authentic relationships. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Sarah Sarani to the show. Hey, Sarah, it's so great to have you here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. Man, it's so great to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I know you're busy and you have a lot of stuff going on. So we're really grateful for you taking time out of your busy schedule to, um, to, to, to share some insight and share your journey with the listeners. So, uh, so, so thank you. So in reflecting from your earliest age, can you share, like, how did your fascination with people in different cultures begin? Yeah, so I think I, I've been thinking about this question because a friend asked me this question a couple of weeks ago. And a, a question that came in mind to answer this question mm-hmm. was actually, who was I before I was me, right? And I, I think I've been thinking about that a lot, this whole, who was I before I was me, um, as I've been thinking a lot about um, my ancestry and my grandmother and her mm-hmm. stories. Mm-hmm. And I always think that, I mean, it's so, because when you first asked me that question, right, about um, when did this begin or when did this love for people start, right. there wasn't like, you know, sometimes you have those moments where a story comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I don't have one. I think that from my earliest memories, that was always the case. And I think it comes from like, when I think about this being a, being from being a child, I remember like things like when I was very young, like probably three or four years old, mm-hmm. my parents who had immigrated to the U.S. Um, and they eventually became U.S. citizens would often like there were other people in our community who weren't citizens um, and they would often stay in our houses sometimes when there were different raids going on. And yeah. I didn't know that was going on. Obviously I was three, probably three. <laughs> right. so I was thinking of what house was it? No, we were three. I was three, yeah. but that was there from a young age of mm-hmm. my parents supporting others. But when mm-hmm. I think back even more, I think about like, I've got, as I got gotten to know my grandmother more, she's very much the kind of person who like, it doesn't matter if you're her grandkid or not, she mm. will feed you, you know, <laughs> you will have to eat yes. or you'll be almost rude. Right. So, yes. like, and even before then I hear stories about how her parents in their village in India, they were, um, when a lot of travelers would go through their village. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never knew my great grandparents, but I would hear stories about how they would cook. My great grandmother would cook for people in the community. So I think mm. when it comes to like, we talk about how there are different traits that are passed down, right? Like maybe yeah. my like my hair was passed down from like this grandmother <laughs> or that grandmother. Right. But also, I think the same goes for these traits about service and loving people. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that, right? Some yeah. things are here intergenerational trauma, <laughs> right? But there's also this <laughs> this 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 intergenerational. Um, uh, love for people, right? And a culture yeah. that really cares and values people and, and serving other people. Gotcha. You know, um, there's something to be said about that intergenerational love 
you know, um, mm -hmm. especially when you're young and, and you're growing up. I mean, in, in, in some cases, depending on the environment that uh, that a youth um, is 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 in, um, it kind of organically starts to develop within the youth to have this love and appreciation for generations like their mother, their grandmother, their great grandmother and so forth because of the community. Right. And then uh, in some cases, I, I, I guess it may not it may not develop in some in some youth. And, and so I, uh, I wonder what what causes what causes the development of that appreciation, such as what you have. Uh, to 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 develop in a youth versus a youth that it doesn't develop in is it the condition of the environment or 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 the culture what what's your take on that yeah it's such a big question i mean i think that i always i think conditioning always plays a big role in it and conditioning mm -hmm. and how people grow up influences your behaviors and how you see the world yeah. and of course cultures there's a difference between um, like high touch cultures and low touch cultures as well mm -hmm. as cultures that are more collective mm -hmm. uh, and more cultures that are focused on the individual right yeah. and even within that there comes a need right so some cultures mm -hmm. like there's a reason there's like in a village where everyone has different roles like where there is this level of codependency of course there's more of a collective right, right. but at the same time I was talking to a friend about this yesterday, my friend Jeff, who introduced us. Yeah. <laughs> so he, we're talking, we've been talking a lot about this, um, this love that speaks in we, mm -hmm. right? And of course, mm -hmm. not a romantic love. Like, right. I think when I think of the love that speaks in we, I like, we think of it more as like a, this revolutionary love that focuses on the collective more than the individual. Yes. And we were talking a lot about this. Like I grew up my, I grew up in a Pakistani Indian culture. My friend grew mm -hmm. up in a Filipino culture. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so they're, they're very collective cultures. So naturally <laughs> like when you eat together, you eat, you know, there's a lot of food and people you eat family style, right? right when you right. When you visit your family, there's a ton of family, right. And you don't mm -hmm. even know who someone is and you still call them aunt and uncle. <laughs> that's and right so, yeah it's great it's, like, uh -huh. it's very collective you know like uh -huh. and you when you dream you don't dream in i you dream in we and we were kind mm. of talking about how of course this culture influenced my conditioning mm -hmm. that conditioning influences my way of seeing this mm -hmm. but is there a way to think about this collective we and then this love which is directly related to service right because if you think of mm -hmm this collective love in the context of service, if you can look at someone and see no stranger and look at someone and see them as like your friend or your brother or your cousin, then like right. it doesn't, it's not it's like service isn't like, wow, like you're serving it's, others. It's like, yeah. obviously I would do this, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. So it's not, it's not perceived as a chore. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's not yeah. like, oh, Saturday from 9 a.m. to 12 a.m. I'm here. Yeah. This it's like, <laughs> yeah. So you can do it every day, all the time. But I got you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so it's, so it's, it's given freely of yourself. Um, um, it's, it's, it's having empathy for your fellow human. And like you said, um, you know, considering them like a cousin or an uncle or a friend even though they're a complete stranger, you know, and, uh, and, and, and just from a humanitarian standpoint and, 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 and having that heart for service, uh, it, you're just compelled to serve 
um, and it doesn't feel like a chore in the least bit. Is that, is that right? Right. Even like one quote that I heard, like that really impacted me. I had a mentor tell me this like mm-hmm. 2015, I think. And I honestly think I heard this quote, it blew my mind, but I didn't mm-hmm. realize it blew my mind until like two years later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the quote was um, by Lila Watson. And she said, if you have come to help me, then you are wasting your time. But mm-hmm. if you have come because your liberation is bound in mine, then let us work together. Liberation bound in mind. Yeah, yeah. Together. That's 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 pretty deep. That that makes a lot of sense, though. And uh, and and you know, just the face value of coming to help me. It it sounds genuine, authentic. Yeah, I'm coming to help, but um, but the the alternative, what she offered, you know, is. That's that's the truest meaning, and 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 then you then you help each other and work together towards helping. That that's the we you're talking about, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. That's the we. You know, like it's yeah. not if you have come if, if it's the whole like the the contrast, right? Like yeah. if you have come to help me, then you are wasting your time. Yes. But if you have come because your liberation is bound in mine, like our liberation is bound together, right. then let's work together, right? Yes. Yes. And this whole idea, like it's so powerful and it's used a lot in community mobilizing and community health and community mm-hmm. education and in and, and these fields, mm-hmm. but you see it because in these forms, it's not like you're not doing something to feel good about yourself. Chances no. are that like, it's hard, you know, it's like, how can, and I see this and I see the struggle of this in friends of mine who work in this field okay. who are fighting for issues that they they see they feel deeply even right. though they may have the privilege to not be impacted by it as deeply mm-hmm. um and it's and it's hard you know because it's like how can i i can eat but yeah. how can i feel full right when my friends or siblings or cousins or people I don't know and still relate with are hungry, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. So no matter how much I eat, I won't get full. And it's like, for me, I'm like, wow, that's so powerful to hear that. And even more powerful to experience this bound liberation, right? Yeah. Um, or the yeah. same with like, you know, like how can I be, you know, like when there are kids, you know, like with everything going on in the world, like how can I sleep when there are people around the world who don't have a home or how can I like not be worried about this when Mm -hmm. there are kids across the board, uh, the Mm -hmm. border who are, who are being held in cells. Right. So it's these issue being like my liberation is bound in that, even if I do not know this person personally. Oh, I see. Yes. That is, that is um, very powerful, you know, and and it can it can move a person um, when you really take that take that to heart, right? Bound in my liberation, and then slowly that we starts to develop because when you're bound in liberation, if I'm if I'm hearing you correctly, when you're bound in liberation with someone, then um, whatever dilemma or whatever challenge becomes 
you know, not I have this challenge, but we have this challenge. Exactly. It's not my challenge. It's our challenge. Mm-hmm. And then we work together. And what two people working together has a more tremendous impact than just one. Yeah. And you're not you. alone, you know, like it's very lonely. That's I right. mean, everyone's everyone experiences loneliness and feeling alone, you know, yes. like all you really need is for someone to be like, oh, you're not alone. We're in this together. Like, that's right. You know, yes, you have this thing and I don't know what this might might feel like that you're going through. But Mm -hmm. even though you're going through this alone, even though you're experiencing this situation alone, we are in this together. And that comes back to our liberation. Right. And this love that speaks in we. No, it does. It does tremendously. And and so um, I wanted to touch on that briefly. Um, Like you mentioned in one of your scenarios, you know, or um, true scenarios, um, you know, you have friends that are very passionate about a cause um, and, and they, they advocate for that, um, but they may be in a privileged state to where they're not as impacted. And so, um, you know, uh, how, how does one, how does one become bound in that liberation without self-deprecating because they're privileged or self-deprecating because um they um you know they they have three squares a day they have a roof over their heads you know they have clothes on their back um or they're not subject to uh, or to be a victim of violence because of where they come from i mean uh, how does one be passionate and stand alongside like an ally okay with others for that cause but but not beat themselves up or, or 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 guilt themselves because they're of a particular socioeconomic uh place different place right right and i think like this is such an important question i think like one way to think about it like one way to visualize it mm-hmm. is like saying there are so many people who have you know who uh, that don't have access to food or there's like a lot of food insecurity right right but say i have a buffet of food right mm-hmm. at home right mm-hmm. and i'm like oh my god there are so many people who don't have access to food like that's so terrible maybe i shouldn't eat because i feel bad that i have access to this food right mm-hmm. or what should i do i have this buffet of food in front of me and i don't know what to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like there i think that right if you have this buffet and food in front of you there are two things to do <laughs> the first, the first i mean first of all eat it you know because if yeah. you don't eat the food you're not going to have the energy to do anything else if you're sitting there right that's right the second thing is talk to people yeah. like get step outside of your house mm-hmm. and talk to people and don't mm-hmm. talk to people as someone who's like trying to help someone talk to people as someone who's trying to understand someone and yes. see where they're coming from and see what not just how you can help them, but connect to this bound liberation of like, how can we support each other? Right. Mm-hmm. How can we, you know, like not fix the system. That's a big thing, but fix the system in little ways. Right. Yes. And then the third thing is you have this access to this buffet, share it, That's you right. know, That's right. invite people over to the table to yes. share it. Yes. So if you have access to these resources, mm-hmm. if you have, I have a friend who actually uses an example mm-hmm. called the Trojan Horse, which I think is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he he's a community organizer and he goes to Harvard Law School, and he's always like frustrated. He's like, "Wow, there's so much privilege. There's so much privilege." Mm-hmm. He's a white man, mm-hmm. and he's like, "I think of it as a Trojan Horse, right? How can I get to these spaces so I can let other people in?" Oh. 
I love that because yeah. if you have access to these spaces, if you have access to these, you know, political seats at the table, you have access to this buffet of food metaphorically or literally. Right. Like, don't like go on a, you know, don't starve yourself. Like right. eat so you have the energy, get educated so you have the resources, like yes. run for politics if you have a good heart and people are going to vote for you and you have that privilege to be able and resources to do that. Right, right. Then bring other people to the table. Mm-hmm. And in order to bring other people to the table to make sure you're not bringing the same people who are reiterating these problems, like right. go and listen to people and not as someone who's like, I'm trying to get these stories to help my campaign. Like go and talk to people as friends, like mm-hmm. without an agenda. Right. You care about them and you're trying to, because you see a part of yourself and them and recognize the fact that in one way or another, you were born lucky that you are born lucky to have, like to be in a space or to a family who has, you know, the privilege to support you, or you were born lucky to have citizenship somewhere, or you were born lucky to be born in a certain zip code and have access to, you know, public resources. And know that if in another in another world, in another life, like you could have been in the same place, in the same situation. Mm-hmm. And some part of that was luck. And looking at someone and being like, yeah, dude, like, I would, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like yeah. be that that approach to something because people can feel it. People can always feel it. You know, my Angela's like, you will mm-hmm. people forget what you say. I always mix this up. People will forget what you said and what you did, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Hundred percent. Yeah, like yep. be a human, talk to people, understand where yes. they're coming from, and then be a Trojan horse if you need to. Like share your buffet. Like. Get, yeah. you know bring more plates out like right. learn how to cook food so yes. it's not just you're depending on the buffet to give other people but you're learning how to cook food so you can continuously if you have access to the kitchen cook the food for the people you know like mm-hmm. teach people how to cook food so that yes. way you know so it's like all this there's so much people can do mm-hmm. especially if you have the privilege to do it yeah Oh, 100 percent. And 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 so, you know, what I'm hearing here is um, seek not to be heard, but to understand. And uh, and as well as, you know, instead of depriving yourself because you feel guilty that there are others who are going without to, quote, eat your food. Right. And, 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 and leverage that platform, leverage that privilege uh, in such a way that can help others. The Trojan horse metaphor is genius. It, it's brilliant. And, uh, and I really appreciate you sharing that with me, Sarah, because I, I can, it gives a vivid, vivid picture of, 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 of what that means for someone of privilege. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so um, just, just hearing how, how, how your, 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 your colleague has, uh, has, has developed that and uses that, you know, um, it, it, that's a great way to re- just remove the guilt because you're, 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 you're using that privilege to be an agent of change, right. Yeah. And, and help others. Exactly. And his name's Sean and he's incredible at this exactly, right? Recognizing his privilege and his space and using that platform to bring other people up. And I think that's like, I look at that and I'm like, 
oh, I see it working. Like, it's yeah. not just this Trojan horse, this like metaphor that's like, oh, okay, that sounds good in theory. But when he says that, he does it. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's amazing. Like, yeah. thank you for being an example. Oh, nice. So it's put into action mm-hmm. and it gets results. Yeah. I mean, that's even better. Yeah. Shout out to Sean. Sean, <laughs> right? Sean, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. Yeah. Big shout out to Sean for the Trojan horse um, uh, model, I'll call it. Um, so, uh, I wanted to talk about just, uh, some of the different experiences you've had in your journey throughout the world and in, in helping groups and, and so forth. Um, now this, it, it, when, when, when you, when you visit a country or a town or a city, um, you know, you're, you're, you're visiting, with purpose, right? And that right. purpose is to serve. Um, now, what you what you may be heading into, and, and I'm sure you'll share here, um, w- could be could be um, could land you in the midst of some very very um, dark or despair or challenges um, or struggles that uh, a community or a, a country is going through uh are we is that right so far yeah that's true okay okay great so um in the countries where you experience tremendous suffering i i have to imagine that you 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 have to play or not play but be that beacon in the night right a positive light for people to give people hope encouragement um I, i wanted to know what keeps you focused on a serving heart, being that light of positivity uh, and encouragement in the midst of such struggling circumstances? Yeah, it's actually a really great question. It's really, really hard. Yeah. I think it's really challenging. And it's something I really struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's like, it's this helplessness sometimes you feel, right? Like right. this helplessness I struggle with where I'm like... I can't do anything. And yeah. as someone sometimes likes to have control or like is used to, you know, it's like mm-hmm. these con sometimes contexts that you work in when you're working in public health or public education, like you don't have any control and you feel very helpless. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's like sh- showing up using this Trojan horse metaphor it's like showing up with the horse but there's nothing inside it it's like full of confetti you know confetti there's nothing there's nothing to give you know nothing to yeah yeah and it's i think what keeps me going is what keeps everyone else going and i think that stories in each other yes and it also makes this i with my friends i use this word called a bleeding heart yeah. and it's like when your heart it hurts so much and you care so much that it bleeds and it's yeah. so wonderful because it's so beautiful to feel mm-hmm. and care so much about mm-hmm. people or something or someone or some place but it hurts physically to, yeah to care so much about people or a community or a cause and not being able to do anything about it sometimes mm-hmm. and i remember there was a night I, um, for a while I was living in the Amazon jungle in Peru, in Northern Peru. Mm-hmm. 
and was working around remote communities, right? Um, and yes. they're rural communities and they were a little out, they were like somewhere closer to the nearest town, but some mm-hmm. were further away. Like you had to, from the capital of Peru, Lima, you had to take a two and a half hour flight, then a three hour bus. Wow. And then take a 30 minute uh, rickshaw, like a moto. moto. And right. then this specific community was a seven hour canoe ride. So very seven far, hours, right? seven yeah. hours, right? Very yeah. far on a canoe, a small canoe with like yeah, yeah. That's a long time in a canoe. Long time, right? And mm-hmm. so in this community, I think it's called Dos de Mayo. There was there were um, it was away from the public system, right? So with schools, when it was raining, which was like you're in the rainforest, so yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> there were, sometimes they'd have um, teachers come from the town, which was like seven hours away, right. But generally, there was not much access to public education. Mm-hmm. And when it came to healthcare, one night, I remember I was I was working with this organization called Minga Peru, and mm-hmm. was staying with community health workers. So I would stay in the houses of different like health promoters who were there. Gotcha. I was staying with the health promoter, and they would kind of like introduce me, and I was doing focus groups and different things, and working with this other coworker I had. And she, one night, like I had like during this time, I was like, okay, I'm not going to have any fears. But every night. Like the one fear, the one like spiral that will go into my head is like, what if I get bit by a snake, right? Like what if yeah. there's a viper, right. there's a snake. So in the closer communities, I'd mentally rationalize and be like, okay, three hour canoe ride to the nearest hospital. I'm good. Right. Oh my town. Gosh. But this community, I was like, oh my God, I'm seven hours away canoe ride. And then three hours away, I'm 10 hours away. And like hundred percent, not even 10 hours, sorry, seven hours upstream, yeah. nine hours downstream. So oh nine gosh. hour is canoe ride, right? Yeah. So I was like, if I get bit by a snake, I'm going to die. <laughs> like, oh, there's Lord. no, like, oh my gosh. that's it, you know? Yeah. And I remember, like, this is in my head, right? And so I was uh-huh. curious, and I was, like, talking to the health promoter, and I was like, you know, Senora Francesca, like, what, what do you do when people get, like, what do you do when people get sick? Because the other communities that we're in were two or three hours away, so it's a little closer. Right. And she's like, oh, here when you get sick, we can't get sick because when we get sick, we die. Oh, gosh. Because there's no, I mean, access to, like, sick in a way that, that it's non preventable. There's a lot of traditional yeah. medicine that, like, people use and that's, like, that really works. But she was right. talking about in, in this, like, in this context, right? Oh, yes, yes. And so, like, in the context that I was asking her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, you know, it's really interesting mm-hmm. because here, all these things, right? People live in the city, people live in the capital, people live in these urban areas and they have their their jewelry and their fancy cars. Right. And it's so silly because like when they die, it's all useless, right? Like this fancy yes. ring and everything. Yes. But the sad thing is that our life, the government thinks that our life is worth, she said 10 centimos. And centimos is like the equivalent of like, centimos is like, like the metaphorical equivalent of a dime, right? Oh my, yeah. And she said 10 centimos is like less than nothing. Because when you have someone on the streets giving you money and all you have is 10 cents, you're not yeah. going to give this person 10 cents. Right. You don't give him anything because giving yeah. that person nothing is better than giving them 10 cents and taking away dignity by being like, this is what something is worth, right? And yeah. she's like, yeah. this is interesting because you think that all lives are equal, Mm-hmm. But in the moments that like 
if I get sick, right? Like if I have a pulmonary embolism or oh, in, in the, in the, in the communities, there's, there's a lot of like, at the time, cervical cancer was, is very big. So yeah. if you get cervical cancer or pulmonary embolism mm-hmm. and you go to a hospital, mm-hmm. like they will do what they can to fix that. Right. But if right. you don't have access to the hospital, you don't have a chance. So like, Mm. who decides you know how valuable someone's life is like right, right you can think your life is valuable but then like what if how does society think what does government think right and it broke my heart like mm. this whole idea about like what happens when healthcare isn't able to reach certain areas and that right. really affects like you know in these communities that are both are, not, are remote but not entirely remote right because right, everyone's right. still speaking spanish and but it's fascinating and it broke my heart and I still think about that but I also use that fire to fuel me because it makes me angry and I think anger is this it it comes from this helplessness and people think of anger as a bad thing Mm -hmm. but I I mean again contextually right but I think anger can be so powerful because it's this same anger that doesn't make me complacent. And yes. this same anger that I'm like, no, like that's like, you know, in the context of this story, I'm like, no, like this is a good healthcare plan, but what about people here? What about yes. people you're not including? Yeah. Like, I can't, spe- I don't know what that's like. My dad's a doctor. I, you know, like mm-hmm. I have access to healthcare, you know, like, it's like <laughs> right. I don't know what that's like for some, for no. a system to value my life. 10 centimos like one dime like I don't know what that's like people know what that's like and let's talk to people and bring those people and write down those stories Mm -hmm. or record those stories Mm -hmm. and listen to them and have people making these decisions listen to these stories and incorporate in them and I think that that bound liberation there's definite anger involved in that I think that comes from helplessness but not a tough anger, like this tender anger, yeah. right? That also right. comes from love. No, for sure. Yeah, it's it's not the malicious anger where you want to do harm, oh, right? It, it's it's a it's an anger of passion because you see something that is not right, based on your principles, based on your upbringing, based on what you know is right or wrong. You see something that is not right, and you're you feel helpless because what can you do about it? You know, um, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And, and, and when, when you're not quite sure what to do about it, or um, say one person is too small to, to, to make a change, but collectively people can, but no one seems to be coming to the table, then the next feeling I would imagine would be anger. And then that anger would, to your point, cause you not to be complacent and to take action, to take action, to encourage others to join you as a team to help, you know, help foster change so that there is adequate healthcare and medical attention for these remote places, for instance, in in this context, right? Right. And even like, actually, even a better way, sometimes I need to work on my emotional vocabulary because <laughs> I use the word <laughs> anger a lot. But I think another way to phrase it would always, it would even be like, a fierce love yes there we go fierce care because i think i do also mean anger but i think anger has 
different connotations associated with it. It does. Yeah, yeah, but this fierce love, right? This fierce mm-hmm. love that I care about this so much that I'm willing to speak up for it. Yes. Right? Yes. This for for this like, you know, like you have this like this tender heart but in a lion, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's just like as a as a parent, right? And and mm-hmm. you come to the defense of your um of your child or like um like you come to the defense of your partner, you know, um, and, and defend their honor, you know, and, and it's, 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 it's out of the love for that person. Right. So, so, so that, that's, that's the fierce love um, that at least I'm perceiving as, as you're mentioning this. Yeah, exactly. I like that fierce love. Yeah. Fierce love. I love that too. I I really do. Wow. So um, I wanted to know, you know, there's many different villages and countries and, uh, and, and there's, uh, you know, all over the world and you've been to many places and um, there are different cultures, obviously. Um, but there are things that are universal when it comes to bringing people together. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, some of these are obvious, you know, like uh, food. Um, when people cook, and you ask someone to join or, or sit and eat with me, you know, that is a connection. That is an offer to connect, right? Um, same, same for music and dance, right? Um, it's an artistic expression and it's, uh, it, it's something that you ask uh, others to join you with or in. So I wanted to know, are there any other universal type of, uh, of um, um, connections or 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 uh, activities um, that you've seen in your travels that has um, that that has been commonplace in in the places you've been. Yeah. Oh, I love that question too. Um, I think s- s- stories, right? Stories. Yes. Stories. Thank you. Yes. Yes. I think it's like stories that connects people more than anything. And it's so interesting because stories have been there since like we first like fire, right? Yes. Like when people would light fires to keep warm, what do you mm-hmm. do? You get around the fire to stay warm mm-hmm. and you tell stories, right? Yeah. Um, and it's this same thing that manifests in different ways, right? And mm-hmm. so like I think about this and like my when my cousin was getting married, um, I had this like Pakistani wedding and there's like a day dedicated to singing, sitting in the circle and singing. And <laughs> nice. Very much led by all of the grandmothers, right? Like they just yeah. totally, this is their day. Indian weddings are not even about the bride and groom. They're just about the colors, the food and the grandmothers. Oh. And they, they sit in a circle and they sing and mm-hmm. they also tell stories. Mm-hmm. And they're stories that I've never... And it only happens in these special moments, right? But it's like you see this happen there, right? Yeah. And you yeah. see this happen in stories like I'm sitting with a friend in Boston, we're sharing stories, or I'm sitting with a like someone who's now my like like my aunt or my grandmother in the Dominican Republic, and she's telling me sitting and telling these stories about her wow. granddaughter and her yeah. son. Yeah. And it's this magical way of connecting people. Mm-hmm. But it's that not only connects people and brings people together, but it's like 
we forget how much we love them, you know? Yes, yes. Like, some of us have had, like, my fondest memories as a kid where my I was lucky to have my parents read bedtime stories to me, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I remember how much I love that. Or I know mm-hmm. how much I love reading stories to my niece. Yeah. But I look forward to whenever I see my friends because sometimes it goes a long time before I see them again right listening to their stories right Mm. and it's this and that also brings us empathy right like yes my friend sharing a story with me just earlier today he was telling me a story about like his students and like how this funny conversation that happened and he's a teacher and how that's sometimes hard in the classroom Mm -hmm. and it was so beautiful because I hadn't seen this friend in a while, but him sharing about this conversation he had with the student made me feel so much warmth for him. It made me understand him a little bit more mm-hmm. through his interactions with other people, right? Yes. And it's these stories that bring us together, but it's these stories that also make us feel less lonely because that's also universal, right? Like, yes. It doesn't matter who you are or where you are, what you have or what you don't have, you do have some suffering. <laughs> like everyone's oh, yeah. suffering one That's thing right. or another. That's like, right. And being able to express that or to see, see stories, to see stories, sure, to hear stories, it makes you feel more connected to the yes. other person and feel more heard and feel more seen which is also something universal. Like it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from or what you're doing or anything. Mm-hmm. As a human, you have this desire to feel seen, heard, and valued or seen, heard, and accepted or seen, heard, and understood. Right. And one of the ways that we've evolved and currently keep evolving to feel a little bit more seen and heard is through stories and storytelling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and so storytelling, it, it, it does connect and it is universal. Yeah. And I'm, I, I thank you so much for, for sharing that, Sarah, because a, a friend or a colleague you haven't seen in years and you see them now you're having a cup of coffee, they're telling you a story or even you're on the phone and they're telling you a story. They're pulling you in to, their world and they're taking you on a journey of you know the story right and 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 and, and that way you don't feel alone you don't feel isolated i guess is uh is 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 the is the case you're not isolated yeah and it's like it's the same thing as like sometimes for comfort we turn to books or movies or tv shows sure sure some of the reasons especially for me i love harry potter Mm -hmm. and one of my comfort things is like when I moved to a new place and it's challenging, I read the Harry Potter books again and I find it very mm-hmm. soothing, right? And part yeah. of the reason is because I love going into someone else's world. Yes. And when you tell, when you hear someone's story, like when someone's really telling you a story, like mm-hmm. let me tell you about this, this, mm-hmm. you know, tradition my mother and I have, or let me tell you about, you know, like what it was like growing up in New Jersey. Like, you're for a minute you transcend time and space and if you're really listening to the person's story you're in that person's world for a little bit oh you you certainly are i mean and 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 
I don't know. I've been told ever since I was a kid that I daydream and imagine a lot. And, uh, and, and I never thought I did, but I, I guess I have multiple people have told me, but um, I say that to say that whenever I am with a friend and they're sharing a story, um, it's almost like through my mind's eye that I am actually visualizing what they are describing. I'm in the place that they are um, talking about and whatever the situation is, I feel whatever that circumstance would bring, whether it's uh, fear or uh, anxiety or happiness or joy, you know? So, um, so, so, so I can see that in my mind's mm. eye and actually visualize as they're telling the story. And it really makes me feel connected. And it's a sacred thing too. I have two friends that I was recently with and it was magical. We were sitting in a, a little park and it was yeah. so beautiful because one of them I had never seen before. I had, mm -hmm. Sorry, I had never met in person. She was the one okay. I interacted with on Zoom. Mm -hmm. And the other one, she I had met her in a coffee shop in Korea like years ago. Mm -hmm. So reconnecting and three of us had never been in the same space before. So we're sitting in a park and we're telling stories. Like, I want to get to know you better. Tell me a story. Right, right. But the way that we naturally evolved, we were sitting in this park, the three of us, and we would close our eyes and one person would tell a story. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we would really imagine what that person was going through and ask questions like, oh, wait, what color was this? You know, what right. was around you? What kind of tree? Was it a mango tree? <laughs> and it, I had never felt closer mm -hmm. to someone, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah, actually yeah. to her stories. And it was so, it was, it was like, <laughs> like, and, and it was like, time in those moments i don't know how much i don't even know how long it was right maybe yeah. it was like four or five hours you were just sitting there yeah. in this part you know yeah. yeah listening and sharing stories and it's one of those things that sounds so simple right you can find a park you can go sit with anyone but the part of it's just doing it because it's not something unreachable or inaccessible that you need something to do right you right. don't even need to know someone you right. know like we hadn't even i it was the first time I met one of the girls yeah. and it was like in a um, magical, it was nothing short of magical. Wow. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's a true connection, right? It's mm -hmm. a deep immersed experience. And like you said, you don't have to be doing anything at all. You, you were just say at a coffee shop or sitting in the park, you know, and, and having that deep immersed experience, um, I, I, I love that, Sarah. Thank you so much for sharing that. That right there is, uh, a great example of a true connection without really doing anything. Right. Yeah. 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 Thank you. So, um, can you share with the listeners, um, a little bit about she is the universe and, uh, how it started, the inspiration behind it and its mission and purpose. Yes, of course. She is Universe was actually started by Laura Peña, who's the founder. It was initially this project to go all over the world interviewing 111 girls. Mm -hmm. And then while on this project, Laura and I, I meet most people I know in coffee shops. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I, met I met her in this coffee shop. Uh -huh. And she was telling me a bit about her project. And I got really interested. In it, but we reconnected. This was back in 2018. We reconnected 
2020 in the pandemic. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I am an educator and I love education and see the power of community building through personal and professional development. Yes. And we started working together, just realizing how lonely we personally were feeling and how so many people around the world are also feeling this lonely, right. but especially teenage girls, right? Get such mm-hmm. a sensitive age where girls between the age of 13 to 20 start losing their confidence. And so many girls around the world don't have access to, you know, education or right. don't have access to community building spaces. So we started building these community, I call them girls or girls from all over the world could come and just meet each other and talk about these topics that were on their mind with someone from halfway across the world to feel less alone. Yes. Um, yes. So that's kind of when I hopped in and we just started building this and building this and building this and finding different ways to support girls personally and professionally And we believe that talent is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. Um, So all our programming is always free for all girls, right? Around 13 to 22 at this point. Yes. And it's called She is the Universe because we believe that, you know, some people, you want to change the world, you know, Um, you want to change the universe. But sometimes each, if you can change one person's life. Yeah. That's life changing the universe, right? Of course. Um, it's like, yeah, it's, it's like there's this quote from Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. I may be mixing those up, but there's this boy in that show, in, in the book, that asks his father, like, the world is so big, I'm so small, how can I make a difference? Mm-hmm. And he says, even if you move one grain of sand in the Sahara Desert, you're still making a difference, right? Yes. So that's what we try to show is like, yes, there are girls who want to change the world in their communities, so many of them, right? Right. Um, But also there are girls who want to change themselves and focus on improving themselves in the relationship with their parents or their friends. And with anything, anything when you're learning, you're changing something. So she's the universe that's focused on global girls empowerment. We're like Mm -hmm. a movement. We now have Mm -hmm. girls from over 50 countries. Um, We have virtual programs for girls as well as now we've been moving. We just last weekend had our first in-person retreat where we gathered girls from all over the Dominican Republic to come together and Mm. um, have a leadership retreat and empowerment program to talk about their dreams and talk about the change they want to see in the world, in the community and in themselves. So we're working on that and building this in-person as as these in-person events become a little more accessible. But at the same time, we're online as well, um, continuing the virtual programming because there's value in connecting with people from Singapore and Australia and Indiana and Florida and Brazil at the same time. Um, So that we focus on mentorship, um, community building and storytelling Mm -hmm. and to focus a lot on this R. How can we (laughs) know that it's not just your dream or my dream, but we're all working towards supporting each other's dreams together? Yes, yes. This is absolutely, it, it's tremendous. It really is. She is the universe um, for for girls empowerment all over the world, um, not just uplifting them individually, but helping them understand the, 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 the true spirit behind uplifting others, right? And collectively yes. as a group, you know, just growing and, uh, and realizing their potential, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. And like realizing their potential by at the same time, supporting others, realizing their potential. Cause when you realize your potential, like when mm-hmm. you see someone realize their potential, mm-hmm. it's a very empowering feeling. You know, like when I see someone who has a potential, 
it makes me realize my potential. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. no doubt. Right. I mean, and, and yeah. would, would you even go as far as to say, Sarah, that someone can, someone can realize their potential as a result of the interaction with someone else? Oh my God. Absolutely. Like, I think that, awesome. I mean, not even go as far to say, but I feel yeah. like that's such like, I think people are always surprised by when you want say you want to change the world. Yeah. That it has to mean like getting healthcare access to everyone everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. That would be wonderful. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, of course. At the same time, people don't realize the value in sharing with someone, but also listening to someone. Yes. And it's like there is this quote um, from um, I, I think it's from Avatar: The Last Airbender, but it's okay. it's about how. Um, having one person all you need is one person to believe in you yes because sometimes when you're on your own it's very lonely but even mm-hmm. having one person believe in you can change everything so but literally change everything right so it's not yeah. like yeah. a big thing to go as far as to say it to be like oh can one person believe in you and change everything it's like no like mm. you need that like that's yeah. the biggest thing you can do is genuinely actually believe in someone oh Absolutely. Absolutely. And it has such a profound effect um, mm-hmm. that that's long lasting, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it truly, it truly does. So Sarah, as we get close to wrapping up, um, one question I did have for you is in all your travels and all the mm-hmm. people you've met and all the different experiences that you've had in these places, um, what is the one primary thing throughout your journey that um, you've, that is, that has taught you the greatest lesson about life? Oh, the greatest lesson about life. I think what comes to my mind mm-hmm. is going to all these different places and meeting all these different people and mm-hmm. having to learn different languages, right? Mm-hmm. Try different foods, um, have different conversations, listening to same is these different stories, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, is that we're all more similar than different. Mm. We're all more similar than different. And I after- feel that. That is very <laughs> profound. It, it truly is. And, it, and it's thought-provoking. So yeah. we're and we all, all more similar than different. We all at the end of the day want the same things and yeah. we all want to feel seen. We all want to feel heard. We all want to feel valued. And it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter where we're from. And if we can understand that <laughs> at the end of the day, we all want to go to sleep feeling the same way. Yeah. Then yeah. that builds compassion. No one wants to go to sleep feeling lonely. Like, no. no, everyone wants to go to sleep feeling at peace and not yes. feeling anxious. And yes. knowing that that's a common feeling that everyone around the world has, mm-hmm. it makes us feel a lot closer and a lot more similar than different. And, and connected. S- and connected, yeah. yeah. Like, we're small. Like, there are more than 7 billion people in this world. Like, yes, you're small, but you're also big because if you believe in someone, you can change. That's a ripple effect, right? Like, yeah, it is. So it's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. try to listen to someone. Love it. 
Love it for sure. So Sarah, how can the listeners connect with you and, and learn more about your great work and maybe even connect with She is the Universe? Yes. Well, to connect with She is the Universe, you can go to sheistheuniverse.org. Okay. Um, we have different opportunities. If you know someone who's a girl between 13 to 20, please tell her to sign up. We have a lot of events for free girl for free girls. We have a lot of free events for girls. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, we're also looking, you know, if you're interested in supporting in any way, we would love support. We're a small organization, but we're also a movement and we're growing and we're trying to get more people involved. Um, and to contact me, you can reach me on my email and my LinkedIn, which I will share with Aubrey to get a hold of me. Fantastic. Yes. And we will make sure that we have links to She is the Universe your LinkedIn uh, page, as well as your email address in the episode show notes. So people can contact you and learn about She is the Universe as they listen to this awesome episode. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Sarah, it's been so great having you on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. I'd love to catch up with you uh, further uh, later in the year for any updates uh, with the organization or any new projects that you may be working on in the future. Absolutely. I'm very much looking forward to it. This has been a treat. Oh, fantastic. Likewise. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation, Sarah. Thank you once again. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening. And look, if you have a loved one, a friend, a coworker, a colleague who seems to be just at the end of their rope, um, going through dark days of despair, uh, they, 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 they seem as if they have nowhere to turn, no one to turn to, I humbly ask that you please share this show with them. Because on the road to rediscovery, we want our listeners to know two things. Number one, you're not alone. And number two, there's always There's always hope. The Road to Rediscovery, it's part of a movement, part of a revolution. And guess what? You are now part of it. We're all roadies on this journey of life, and it sure feels good having you on the road with me. Thanks again for listening. We'll chat again soon. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of The Road to Rediscovery. We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at roadsrediscoverypodcast at gmail.com and leave us any questions or comments you may have. The Roads Rediscovery is an AJ Shark production. 